Lee Whitehorn, 44 years of age, father of two, married to Laura, siblings, Luke, Jay, Rachel and Jane. Uh, one father, two mums. That's me in a nutshell, footy coach. I look at myself as just the average, everyday, run-of-the-mill bloke. Why am I here today? Um, to talk about my diagnosis um, that I received, oh, not great with dates, but I'm going to say about six weeks ago. Um, and I was diagnosed uh, initially with a lesion, which I think is a nice word initially for a tumour or cancer. And I was diagnosed with a diffused glioblastema. Welcome to season three, episode one of the C Word Podcast. My name is Luke. I'm here with my brother Lee. How are you doing? Um, I'm very good. The house is uh, silent. Everyone's left. It's beautiful. Amazing. And we were just having a uh, a moment, having a laugh at the fact that we're up to season three, which is great. Yeah. Who would have thunk? Exactly. I look forward to season 10 (laughs) for those those who are still listening. (laughs) Now we're just going through Lee's life. (laughs) Those people that are going, we've we've had enough of this bloke. Honestly, it's 10 years now. No, we're good. We're good with it. It's good. It's excellent. So we caught up at the end of November. Not long after that, you went to the Gold Coast. And at that point, you had finished treatment or you were halfway through it? Had finished Okay, cool. So you had been doing treatment up until that point. I think you were doing it when we last spoke. You know, and to and to reference all this, it was my second dose of radiotherapy. So something not many people get to. You normally get your your one dose mm. at the start of treatment, um, and that runs for about six weeks. And you go every day, other than the weekend. And I did my initial one, obviously in Brisbane, and then we had everything that occurred. Prior to this last treatment where I spent that evening in emergency and found um, just the growth and uh, and I think we went through that last time in terms of what the messaging was from our oncologist and so forth and it wasn't good and then they came back and said, we're actually going to give you another dose of radiotherapy because physically and so forth you're capable of getting that done. So I did that and then... Um, We'd organised to come up to uh, Brizzy and see everybody, see the family, spend some time at Laura's dad's house at Sanctuary Cove, which the kids love and we love. Like it's nice and peaceful and quiet and and it's a good spot for everyone to sort of come and catch up. So Rach and the kids and Sam and mum and um, Jay and Shannon and, and their tribe sort of all popped up and spent a couple of days and it was uh, it was really nice. By the end of it though... Um, you know, with treatment, it's a, a cumulative thing, mm. as in the outcomes of the treatment in terms of whether they're swelling or whatever build at mm. the back end of it. So you tend to finish your treatment and you feel a million bucks. Well, I do anyway. And, you know, I get I'm great. <laughs> they feel fantastic. It might be an anomaly, but yeah. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, and then you have a little period where it's like God just whacks you a little bit and everything just builds and you get a bit of pressure or you get, you know, whatever. And then it's working through that. And I think the last, the first time I did it, I was quite, you know, I had some issues in terms of being able to read properly just because of vision mm. um, and that sort of stuff. But it recovered you know, fairly quickly. 
this time I probably didn't get anything until, like, until I got back. I was tired when I was away, but in saying that, so was everybody else because you're busy every day. You know, we took the kids to all the worlds up there and everybody gets tired with that sort of stuff. So it's hard for me to reference whether or not I'm tired because of the illness or I'm just tired because they've been big days. Mm. We've been busy with everyone. So I had all that and came back and got ready for, started getting ready for Christmas, I suppose. And Christmas was funny because we said we were going to have it at home and we did. And, um, you know, I did my usual thing and said I'll organise everything. And um, and got you know organised great food and all that sort of stuff and just had I think there's maybe about ten of us over so Laura's family and then my dad who's obviously going through his own issues with brain cancer and I don't know it's one of those days where everybody was tired like we had um, so my sister Jane stayed over the night before with her little one Vivian we. Jesus, well, the kids won't hear this and they won't understand, so it's okay in terms of Santa Claus. But um, <laughs> putting all the presents together was um, relatively easy other than um, my youngest, who's it's not quite four yet. He's, and we would have spoken about him a number of times, but he's quite a robust, rough, young man. <laughs> and he was aching for... Um, a Barbie dream house. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I, Uncle Luke had nothing to do with that. I, and, 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 you know, that was all, all mum, for sure. Laura was like, are you okay with it? And I said, whatever makes him happy. I don't care. Whatever makes him happy. She goes, okay, good, because it's been reduced from 300 and something to 200 and something. And I went, what? What is this thing? <laughs> anyway, I'd arrived and the girls um, and I were going to put it together on Christmas Eve. I pretty quickly got booted off of the um, panel to to put it together and it was um, just the girls putting it together. And I don't know if you've seen one, but it's enormous. They're huge. Okay, no, I actually can't say that. <laughs> it, it takes up uh, one corner of our second lounge room. So, did he love it? Was he? Did he lose his mind when he came out? He kind of did, but he didn't want to. He didn't want to share it with everyone else. So he was a little bit like he took his time. But then over the the next sort of week, everyone, all the kids, so they played with that a fair bit, and then um, Jack, eventually, when he got sort of time to himself, um, got far more engaged in it and had fun with it and. So it was um, quite a funny sort of Christmas day. It was really quiet. Everyone sort of had a sleep in the afternoon. We had uh, we couldn't open our oysters. I'd bought a dozen Coffin Bay oysters mm. and um, we couldn't chuck them. And, uh, you know, my patience is like at the best of time. <laughs> I got a run on early and I got three open. And I thought this is going to be a dream. It's going to be the, the best. I'm going to have all these beautiful fresh oysters opened and people are going to eat them. And, Got three open and then that was it. And I went, not done. But <laughs> oysters are off. I'm just um, disappointed that on Christmas Eve, you didn't get the chance to put together a trampoline like we did the year before. Tra- oh, 
Yeah, no, that one. Uh, that if one anyone's ever told. tried to put a trampoline together, <laughs> I don't. Don't worry. Barbie Dreamhouse was on par. On really? Par. That, I was watching the girls. Trampoline, I swear to God, it was driving me insane. Yeah, that got sold. Um, so <laughs> when the kid, the kids will find that out one day that, um, you know, a Christmas present that we got them actually never got gave to them and then got sold. Um, <laughs> Through sheer Uncle Luke and Lee. Um, didn't have the capacity to put it together. <laughs> so, I don't know, Christmas, Christmas Day was a nice day. It was was it what you'd hoped for? Because you'd had quite a – there was quite a significance of the day in terms of um, you were very anchored to it in terms of going, I just want to get to Christmas. I want it to be that big Christmas, Christmas trees, you know, all that sort of stuff. There was, there was quite a connection to it. Yeah, that element was in terms of, you know, we'd bought a, a really nice tree and, you know, it was our – first Christmas in our first house that we owned. So there's all of those sort of things attached to it and and it was really nice in the morning with the boys. You know, we had our um a nice breakfast, um, croissants and you know, all of that posh stuff and <laughs> nice coffees and chocolates and 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 whatnot. So it was it was good and then and then we had some success the next day with the um shucking of the oysters. So Laura's mum, Claire and I got a bit of a run on and all of a sudden we thought we were um, going to probably take up our own business of um, <laughs> shucking uh, oysters because we became experts. <laughs> and um, and it was good. It ended up being awesome. – Boxing Day actually ended up being like a uh, – the successful part in terms of the food um, of the weekend. And it was And it was nice because everyone had a bit more energy. For whatever reason, everyone was, you know, just tired on Christmas Day. Um, and then on Boxing Day was, yeah, it was great. It was a, really, a great day. So it ended awesome. up being a really good day, a good weekend. And by the end of it, though, you you just spent, it's like all this build up for Christmas. You love it. It's fantastic. Then you get to the end of it and you're like, oh, my goodness, that's exhausting. <laughs> on top of the compounding effects of having uh, radiotherapy and all that stuff, I think, you know, you kind of have yeah. to give yourself a little break in it all. Did you find that over that period that it was getting, I don't know, the effects were getting worse or that you were more tired or what's it been like since you're – so you had that first one and I remember the first round that you had, you know, the compounding effect and afterwards you're a little bit tired but you responded and you bounced back really quickly. What has been the effects of this current round? Because you have gone back for more since, is that right? Yeah, well, they there's a limited amount you can take and like I said before that – I don't know what the numbers are, but the majority of people only get their first sort of crack at it. Then you don't get another one. I was lucky enough. Not lucky. I'm so lucky enough. It's not like an exciting process or anything like that, but. It's offered as a solution. It's offered as part of a solution or at least you have something as opposed to sitting there with nothing. Yeah. Correct. So we got to 18 treatments and then they said we can stretch another three with the way you're going. Um, so they stretched it uh, another three treatments. We just sort of closed the – we were going to have a week between the end of treatment and then the Gold Coast, um, which would have given me sort of a bit more time to – you meant to relax, which, again, hard for me to do, but you meant to relax and let the brain and the body and everything sort of just rest and sleep. And oh, I, I didn't give myself that much time. I probably should have. 
I don't know. You don't know what you're going to get from it. You don't know how you're going to respond. But 90% of it, I've been good um, for 10% of, you know, a bit of fatigue and, and that sort of stuff, which is, they say, is up to about two months post your second treatment. And in terms of additional impacts to it, because we were talking about this when we got on the call before, um, mm-hmm. and that was around uh, vision. So you're saying yep. there's some impacts to vision and what other, like what else are you saying? Cause I know that recently you, last week, I think it was, you were having some, you know, there's some pains and some, you know, bits and pieces kind of happening that you then went and had a CT scan to kind of check out what was going on. Yeah. Oh, uh, look, I, it was more the vision and, and that normally comes from a swelling. So I went and had a CT and, um, and they sort of came back and said, Look, CTs aren't definitive. They're a very broad examination, I suppose. So the reference came back and it was pretty much um, overall that it had improved from my previous one in September. So they've come back and, yeah, said it appears with the CT that there is improvement in that space. Mm. But you won't know until your MRI is done Mm. and then you'll find out whatever else has occurred. So the vision is a part that, I'm very aware of that may be impacted with this treatment, but you've got to be prepared to take a hit somewhere. And that doesn't mean that this won't repair to a degree, but if it doesn't, it's not the end of the world for me. You know, I can still see everything. I can still read from a distance, um, all that sort of stuff. Up close, a little bit different um, in terms of reading. Like I said, I at the moment, if I'm going to read something, um, it is quite funny. I'll close one eye. And I can read really clearly on with small writing. Close the other eye. I can read in that one. So it's just like you're 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 drunk and a bit tired. <laughs> yeah, probably. Not, yeah, that's probably what it sort of looks like. So, um, and I did look. I did need to reference in terms of, you know, we've had like over this period of time, we've had a lot of people help um, and support us and so forth. And Dreams for Life were the organisation that organized our trip to Queensland and they were really flexible and they were good and you know it's not easy organizing this stuff when your treatment pops up or you're not feeling good or you're not capable of traveling and and all that sort of stuff and they were really flexible and fantastic in that space and um so it was was really nice to have an organization like that so dreams to live for uh shout out to them for the support and uh and for putting together um, a wonderful trip that you were able to go up and, and spend a bit of time. I remember seeing, I mean, I was obviously bummed I can't be there to be able to catch up with you guys again, but uh, looking at the photos and looking and hearing from, you know, all the family, everyone had a, a great time and um, and obviously always enjoy spending a bit of time with you guys and going and doing some fun stuff around the Gold Coast. Yeah, it was, not, it was nice. It was um, one of those things you kind of, uh, you go and do it, you love it. By the end of it, we were, I don't know, we're home, not homebodies, I suppose. We love where we live. We were excited about getting home and getting back close to the beach and getting back to our house and that sort of stuff. But at the same time, it was so good to see Rach and Sam and the girls and mum and, um, and, um, and Jay and, and, you know, and, and his gang. So it was, it was nice, but it was enough time because you, when you're going through this stuff and you're trying to pack lots in, it does 
knock you around a little bit more than, I guess, the yeah. average punter. Understandably. And so where to from here? What's the uh, what's the current plan at the moment? So you finished treatment as it stands, what, what, and then you're waiting for, as far as I understand, you've got an MRI coming up at the beginning or in like in a month's time. Yeah, yeah in February. So from here, I guess it's just a um, monitoring sort of the vision and whether or not that improves and all that sort of gear. You know, the good element so far is that headaches have gone away. I can feel that the swelling, you can you can feel when it disappears, uh, which has been good. I think I've got chemo on Tuesday, which I have every 42 days. Oh, right. Okay. You have a high, have a high dosage um, and uh, Avastin, which is another mm. um, treatment that, um, that sort of occurs. Um, trying to get my blood pressure under, under control because it's been high. I dare say I'll probably go on some blood pressure treatment for a little while. I know that once I come off the treatment, that'll probably improve. Well, these are the effects of the steroids, right? Because you've, it's. I think it's an effect of everything. And it's also, I get very anxious around my blood pressure now because I had a couple of average results at first. But then, funnily enough, people that work where I get my Avastin and so forth done, one of them was joking with me the other week saying, he goes, oh, don't worry, I've got high blood pressure uh, and, and I work in a hospital. I was like, all right, no worries. Um, that makes me feel a bit more comfortable. So. <laughs> Just got that over the next sort of you know few weeks, I guess, to until I get treatment. So all that side, so that that's all the things that are happening at the moment. But how are you feeling? How are you feeling? What's what's happening for you internally at the moment? Because you kind of, you know, we get to this point. You've gone through an additional batch of treatment. You're now dealing with the physical effects of that one. You have uh, gone through Christmas, yep. New Year. We've had a few significant events happen that you were kind of fixed on towards the end of the year. I know what it's like as an individual leading towards those periods and it's kind of that renewal and into the new year and here we go. What's it like for yourself when you've got these particular challenges in front of you and there's other people who may be the same. They've gone through a massive year. They're not well. They come out the other side of it. They've still got that that health challenge that they're dealing with. Where does your head go? Where are you at in terms of how are you keeping yourself kind of either focused or moving forward or feeling like you have a level of, of, of control or calm or whatever language you would like to use? Look, I think the idea of control is it's a partial thing that makes sense. You've got control over your choices. Don't necessarily have control over the outcomes. Just It's a day-by-day thing with me, and if I'm feeling good and we're doing good things, then I'm happy. Every now and then, you know, you'll have your um, – the same as anybody. Well, there's no one that doesn't have a rough day. Mm-hmm. Or a rough afternoon, Absolutely. but I think over time I've learned try not to hang on to them too much because you just don't want them taking up too much of your time. You know, one thing I probably haven't done for a while, and and I don't know why, but probably haven't had a good cry for a while. I know during you know last year when we had a couple of moments, I really had let my hair down and had a good howl, and it's amazing how uh, I don't know is cathartic the word for it? Is it um, mm. yeah, leading fun. into it is never good because you think oh, I'm just gonna. I'm going to have a breakdown here. But then when you come out the other side, you're like, God, I feel I feel so much better. Yeah, I don't know. That's a hard question to ask because I don't folk, I don't concentrate on all of those things too much. I, it's a bit too hard with two kids and then and everything else sort of going on, I suppose. And I think I'll get, or not think, I'll be more focused once the boys are 
at school and you know my littlest will start kindy and then prepping for reception and that sort of stuff this year which is hard to hard to get my head around that my mm-hmm. youngest is now but again it's a goal just like christmas was i will be the happiest man in the world to see my little boy get to the point this year where he puts his uniform on goes to his prepping for reception and then gets ready to start school the year after as much as you don't want your kids to rush i can't wait to see uh to see that with him because he goes past his brother's school every day and goes to daycare and um, keeps saying, that's my school, that's my school, that's where I'm going to go. Mm. Um, so he's really excited about it. And that's where it's sort of sort of at at the moment. And um, I probably, and there's a couple of things I just wanted to reference about. I was one of my really good friends, uh, Justin, who we've always gone to music together. Recently I've gone to a couple of different gigs with him and felt like a youngster again. I want to see Grinspoon, which is awesome, and the Foo Fighters. Went to go and see them, and again, I guess if I was, uh, if I was ever going to change, be for Dave for sure. And they were amazing, and it was great to go and um, just do those couple of things with him. But when I did go to one of the concerts, I bumped into somebody that um, I worked with for a long time. I bumped into him. We had like a really quick chat, but it was quite quick, and uh, I thought, oh, maybe. Maybe he doesn't want to talk to me. <laughs> and I got a message from him the next day and he apologised for not sitting down and talking with me um, as much as, you know, we probably should have. And he made reference of the fact that his nephew had not long passed away from brain cancer and he was only five. It was a very humbling moment, I suppose, one that really, it knocked me for six because, you know, I, I look at me and think, why is this happening to me? You know, I'm, I'm in my... 40s. I'm lucky enough to have an amazing wife that I love more than anything in the world. I've got two beautiful kids that I love, but then to bump into somebody that I know that has had a family member that's five years of age that hasn't even had a chance to, you know, fulfill their parents um, to a degree. And it was, you know, that thing where you buy a car, you buy a red car and you think you've got the only red car and then all of a sudden you realise that actually there's there's lots of people around me with a bloody red car. <laughs> and after speaking to to this um, mate of mine and finding that out, I thought I probably need to talk a little bit more about that sort of stuff and I guess promote people to – there are lots of different diseases out there and there are a lot that need help and, and assistance and so forth. But this is a really, really tragic um, illness brain cancer it's horrible it impacts a lot of young kids and that's and they don't stand a chance and whilst there's a lot of other things this is i guess i'm not going to say i'm passionate maybe i am i don't don't know what the right word is anybody that follows this that's watching or or whatever or you're looking for something to support then this is the area what it needs help it needs lots of help it needs lots of funding you'd love to know that There'd be advancements just like there has been with breast cancer or stuff like that that all of a sudden give these kids a chance and an opportunity and parents a chance and an opportunity to see their kids grow. So, yeah, without getting too emotional, that really, um, yeah, that kind of, that knocked me a, a little bit the other week when I, uh, when he messaged me and told me that and I thought, and hopefully that message gets out there and people listen to it and, and follow on support. So, um, yeah. 
Mm, absolutely. No, it's quite, it's, uh, sorry, I was just in a daze and listening to you, thinking about it. It's such a, it's such a difficult thing, isn't it? Especially, so it's like, it's one thing when it's your story and you know your capability and what you're able to do is, and then it's another when it's someone else's and then it's another when it's a child, you know what I mean? Like it's, uh, there's, there's something about at least once you're an adult, you feel you've got some tools and ability to kind of cope with that and you've experienced life and you've had whatever yeah. you think you're meant to come here and have. And, uh, and as a child, it's a reflection of these gorgeous little humans that haven't had their chance yet and, uh, and they're faced with such difficulty. Yeah, that's the part. I guess it's like a... It's not to say that as an adult, it's fine. It's like the whole thing's a mess, but it's like, you know, I think there's something, the heart that the, the, the strings are being pulled even more significantly when you look at the child and you think like, at least I feel that I've got tools that I can step up to the challenge. And when you see a child where you've got such a significant disease that comes in, it's like, it's even more helpless in that way. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah. Probably, I think. You know, like it's, you know, there's a, uh, like a whole range of things that I know that I can do, and Laura's just got me a treadmill. Did she? <laughs> yeah, well, it's getting you know it's hot, and being physically active is important when you are going Absolutely. through this sort of stuff. Well, in life, um, movement is life, people. Movement is life. So I've got a a treadmill that's going to go in the in the lounge room, and I'm going to be like one of those old people that you know watches <laughs> uh, infomercials. And um, I hope I walk in one day, and you've got like the sweatpants on and you're in there and you've got the thing, you got the news on, you're like telling me the latest. Oh, you wouldn't believe what's happened on this thing here. <laughs> uh, so despite all of this, you're still maintaining movement. You're still maintaining some gym yeah. where you can, you're doing yeah. those sorts of things. So that type of treatment is, is definitely yeah. supporting you in that process. I think, which is important for other people to hear, right? It's not that you're just sitting around at home and, you know, that's it. It's like, you know, you're still doing your best to, uh, to get up and get moving weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I know how important it is, but I've got to be, you know, I've got to do a bit of both at the moment, a bit of rest, a bit of this. So it's, um, which is not an easy thing to do, like mentally. It's quite hard. You know, once the head's sort of recovered and so forth, which I'm positive and adamant that it will, um, you know, energy sort of comes back. And I think we underestimate rest and sleep way too much <laughs> in general uh, yeah. whether you're yeah. whether you're well or not um i think uh yeah i think we underestimate it way too much and it's it's, yep. it's more mental than anything to your point it's that feeling that belief i should the, the devil's in the should you shouldn't care about what should happen you probably just could do what your body needs and that would be about it right as opposed to should 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 um, it's one of those things that you just take, I guess. Uh, if you're one of those individuals that's always been in a rush, want to get things done, uh, I'm looking at you currently. <laughs> uh, I was like, here I am saying it, but I, I'm not. Although I have to admit, I have been incorporating a little bit more rest. I'd like like train one day, add something else the next day. It's amazing how well you train when you don't train every day. It's great. Yeah, I, like because you don't need to. Um, <laughs> you know, you don't don't need to rinse and repeat every day like you have a break and then you can go harder the day after, I suppose, and so forth. So um, I'm looking forward to the next couple of months from a getting back into this routine of getting physically busy, which is which is good. Getting rid of some of this weight that I've, which I've, I think I've already referenced about maybe it was prior to the. Yeah, and no, I think we're talking about your uh, your need for two hamburgers and meals uh, prior to the conversation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I. <laughs> 
Um, but these are the effects we have spoken before about the effects of, of the steroids on the body and uh, and what happens. <laughs> it's um, not something that I'm used to. If there's anything throughout this process so far that has angered me or where I'm I'm upset with myself is putting on the weight that I've put on because, uh, you know, my mates will have a bit of a joke because majority of my mates and and they can cop this because they've been like it for a long time, have all sort of got to that age where, I don't know, I don't know why, but men get to an age of, you know, 40 and start to accept the fact that, you know what, I can get a fat belly now because I'm 40. Why not? Dad um, I'm not I'm not that person, but I have, as my boys now laugh and um, will come up and say, oh, big fat belly dad. Oh, and, uh, and you sit there and go, oh, my goodness. Um, I've got to cop this from my kids, uh, and I can't argue with them because currently, um, I've, I've <laughs> that is me. Got a bit, yeah, it's it's definitely there. So, got a bit of work to do, but that's um that's okay. We're like I said, we're back into some sort of method of getting some training done and, and all of that sort of stuff, and um and have been through the busy period of you know Christmas etc. and all that sort of stuff, and getting back into a bit of a groove and um. And unsettled, so um, which has been good. So, well, we will probably check in again after your MRI and uh, and see what the outcome is from from there. I think that will probably because that will be the next kind of marker or, or time when we come back together. I think I have uh, yeah, sort of covered everything here, and um, and that point, like I said about the young lad the other day, it's just if we can in some way just people that listen to this and. And people that follow, we've had a lot of help, but there's organisations that need a lot of help, not just us. And I know people these days go and pick, and you know, look, I, I want to support this charity, I want to support this, um, and I'm going to be a bit selfish and bullish here and say that, that this space needs help. It needs help. One of the first ones that we can put on there or that we can at least talk about, it's not about trying to support, uh, you know, how do we find a cure for the cancer, but at least for uh, a, a relevant one to today's conversation is that dreams to live for um so dreams to live for which was founded by uh, a cancer patient herself annie robinson um and she understood the need to treat the soul as well as the disease so she helps to make dreams come true for patients who are living with cancer and uh and specifically looking at uh relapse lymphoma relapse leukemia and high-grade brain tumors um, and so there is ways that you can, and we'll put this down into the show notes, uh, to support dreams to live for, if you're wanting to help people to have, you know, if they are in this state, so there's, there's kind of two points to it. One is how do we find a cure? And the other part is for those who are going through it, how do we make it the best possible process that we can and the best possible experience in terms of allowing them to have the time together that matters. And I think looking at your time in the Gold Coast, um, we're dealing with what we're dealing with, but they're wonderful memories to have had, you know, they're wonderful experiences to kind of be able to go away and to be able to spend time. And it's more than to her point, it's more than the disease. It's about treating the soul as well. That ability for you to be with those loved ones, to spend time together, to experience it, which I mean, it's my bias, but I think that's what life is about, right? It's about the experience that we have. It's the expression of the soul. It's the expression of the, in the moment beyond anything else. If, if the time's up, the time's up, but did we, express ourselves and connect in the way that we needed to with those loved ones and someone like Annie who's doing an amazing job with dreams to live for uh, is also a good uh, opportunity to be able to support it's hard to choose sometimes like it's there's so many 
you know, you get so many things thrown at you, support this, support this. And I think, yeah, that you've just made a really good point there that there are those two components um, to all of this. And, and for us, um, those components have been, you know, critical because it's a lot of families can't afford to do any of that type of stuff. And to be able to have those moments are, are great and, and we're very lucky. So if we can promote that and support that, that'll be fantastic. <laughs>